thank you to my darling daughter for having me here today. Um, it's a big honour for a mother. And the theme is hold. Um, someone said to me, what was holding? What was, how did the theme work into your piece? Just so you know before I start, this is about holding on to who you are and trusting that what's inside you is maybe really great. A quote to start. Each new hour holds new chances for new beginnings. The horizon leans forward, offering you space to place new steps of change. Maya Angelou. Okay, I don't know if it's scientifically possible, but I feel I was born happy. I came out smiling, or so legend has it. I had red hair, fair skin, freckles and legs like tree stumps. Don't get me wrong, I knew nothing of skinny leg bias. Social constructs didn't play into my happiness until way into the future. My parents were young, smart, attractive like movie stars and totally in love. Uh-uh, not true. My parents were young, smart, attractive like movie stars and completely out of step with each other. <laughs> Their marriage was a disaster. But this story is not about my parents' dysfunctional relationship. I grew up in the grounds of a castle. My parents were like privileged title holders feasting on the spoils of a king. In reality, the king was a headmaster of a fancy private boys' school in Adelaide and my dad was a poverty-stricken 28-year-old brand-new biology teacher and mum seemed to be a Peter Stuyvesant smoking model. <laughs> they were given a house to live in in the glorious 70-acre school grounds. I had read enough children's stories to understand I was practically living in a castle and therefore I was pretty much a princess. <laughs> I spent the first 10 years of my princess life roaming the grounds of this castle, beautiful manicured lawns, tennis courts aplenty, a swimming pool, in-ground trampolines, a river, a creek. That school even had a mini forest, kitchen gardens and the buildings. So many buildings to explore. Mostly I liked the places that said keep out or danger. <laughs> there was a church, classrooms and science laboratories where they kept a lot of dead things in bottles. And when it was dissecting time for the students, they had a bath full of toads to cut up. Lifting the lid on that bath to see 50 dark toads blinking and sometimes hopping was fascinating for this eight-year-old. On Saturdays and Sundays, I'd leave home early before anyone was awake, pick up my best friends in the whole world and set off to do stuff. That stuff usually meant breaking things. <laughs> Lots of classrooms, windows, glass containers of creatures in formaldehyde, jumping up and down on those locked trampolines to break them, smashing stuff in the art room, sneaking into the pool and weeing into it. <laughs> We'd steal money for lollies, set fire to things, make and explode little bombs, climb trees to spit and spy on people. We destroyed and remade sculptures in the art room, all the while laughing at and terrorising those wet-behind-the-ears boarders who lived at the school. We were St Trinians in the making. <laughs> We explored every inch of those grounds with the same curiosity and delight as we got from exploring our own bodies and each other's. <laughs> Weirdly, I don't remember any discipline in those days. Actually, I don't remember mum and dad at all. They floated in and out of my life like attractive caretakers. Occasionally, I was told to do something in a sort of parental way, like take some medicine when I had a fever or finish the peas on your plate before you leave the table. Pretty much my parents lived their lives and I lived mine. And it was bliss. Every single day was an adventure and if it wasn't, I made it into one. 
I was curious about everything and I read all the time. If I read about it, I wanted to give it a try. And this was fine until I discovered mum and dad's books, which they should have stopped their curious small child from reading. My school was two buses right away and I like buses. Mum did a trial with me on day one and I never saw her again, at the bus stop or at school. The bus didn't, if the bus didn't come, I was free to walk home and smell the petrol tank of cars because I had read that some people like to do this and I love the smell of petrol. But I also remembered from the same book that if I did this too much, I would end up in jail. So going from stealing from mum's purse to petrol sniffing was a big leap and I knew at eight that I wasn't ready to make that commitment. Sorry. <laughs> During those early years, I used to love dancing, as most girls did, in my bedroom, usually to a Beatles single that I'd been gifted. Maybe that's what inspired my mother to enrol me in a jazz ballet class. One Saturday in February, Mum took me on the bus into town and walked me to a dance studio. She told me to be polite and that she'd see me at home. <laughs> she never came again until the Christmas concert, where I had a role dancing as a part of a big, large ensemble. It was probably because I was tall, I was put at the back, and I didn't mind because I knew I was tall. And here I was on stage, people, maybe even my mum, was applauding. And for all I knew, it could have been for me. On these Saturday trips to jazz ballet, stuff happens to kids on public transport. And it wasn't all good, but lots of it was. And I reveled in the adventure. I was little in age, but big in stature, and adults used to like to tell me that. I was always being told I was big for my age, and in school I was loud as well as big. <laughs> Once a bus driver yelled at me saying I obviously wasn't a child and to get off the bus, and if, if I didn't have the full fare, which I didn't, so I had to get off the bus and wait for the next bus, and I think I was eight and a half at that stage. <laughs> but out in the world, at that bus stop, strangers seemed to want to talk to me. I kid you not, every single week someone would tell me that I loved my red hair. If it didn't happen on the way to class, it would happen on the way back. This comment usually led to conversations about age. Oh, you're so tall for eight. Or when's your birthday? July 4th, American Independence Day. I didn't really understand the excitement, but I certainly learned how to speak to adults from a very young age. When we moved to Melbourne, Saturdays continued to be dance classes. I enrolled in a local jazz ballet class and once a week gave my all for a solid 55 minutes. <laughs> Mum didn't need to do a trial run, I was 11 after all, and she said Melbourne was much better service for public transport. <laughs> At 15, I joined a creative ballet class that I'd read about in the local paper. Social constructs had kicked in big time by now and I knew my legs were not the dancing kind. But this new class was in a big house that smelled of incense and cigarettes, where long, tall, thin women walked around in footless leggings with steaming cups of something or other. The class was held in a room in the back garden, set amongst a tangle of overgrown plants and trees. I butted out my cigarette and walked into a whole new world of dance that day. I improvised to Hotel California as if my <laughs> life depended on it. I think this was the class that really got my creative juices flowing. I was infatuated with that mother and daughter teaching team. They were like ethereal beings who seemed to share their thoughts and feelings and ignore the rest of the class. They didn't even know my name, but I loved them. I wanted to run away and move in with them. By the time I got to year 12, I was still curious and adventurous. I was still smoking, laughing, experimenting, climbing trees, 
stealing food, obviously, <laughs> failing school and trying not to stiff petrol tanks. <laughs> I was a tomboy and I was very accustomed to be told at home, at work, at school, it was too loud, it's too big, too boisterous. For five years on my walk home from school, boys would yell at me from across the road things about my body and my hair because as much as old people love red hair, my friends genuinely felt sorry for me. <laughs> I just need to have a quick sip. <laughs> When it was time to choose a course to do at the end of year 12, I knew I was in trouble because I hadn't <laughs> I'd spent the year doing plays and smoking cigarettes and getting any sort of decent ATAR was a fantasy. I actually scoured all the course requirements to find ones that didn't need a score to get into and there it was, like it was meant to be, the Victorian College of the Arts School of Dance. <laughs> and it required no VCE score. All they wanted was an audition. This was a sign, I thought, I just have to fill in the form, do an audition, have fun, and fingers crossed. I decided not to tell anyone this plan. <laughs> I would surprise my friends when I was running off to class in a leotard. I mean, I was going to be living in my leotard as dancers do, and I would definitely have to be very careful about anorexia because that goes hand in hand with dancing. I might have to buy some of those leg warmer things like because in winter Melbourne is freezing and it might be hard to keep my new career a secret. <laughs> a couple of weeks later my audition date arrived in the post and it was a school day. Fuck. At this point I thought oh I have to tell mum and dad which I do and all I remember is their look of total surprise and the reminder that I had never done ballet ever. No, I said, I'm not applying to be a dancer, I'm applying to be a dance teacher. I chose not to tell them that there was no place on that application form to teach dance and at no time had the course mentioned teaching dance as an option. But I hoped that if I nailed that audition, I could fast-track my ballet education and be dancing in the Nutcracker in a couple of years, not the lead, of course, just in the ensemble. Anyway, for someone who basically encouraged me to do everything on my own, Mum was pretty on board for the ballet audition. I do wonder if she felt a teensy bit sorry for her tall, red-headed, thick-set daughter. On the morning of the audition, I was so excited I could only manage a cup of tea and one piece of toast. I wore my best black footless tights and a black leotard and mum used a lot of hairspray as she worked my thick red curly hair into a bun. I even had a black headband. I really looked the part. I packed my lunch as the information sheet had said we were not allowed to leave the premises once the auditions began and I ignored the mention of bringing a spare pair of ballet slippers on the day. Mum drove me to the audition and that was weird. <laughs> Mum had stopped driving months earlier because she developed a fear of car flipping. But that is a story of another day. Mum driving me there was like I was in a Disney film. Mother, daughter, ballet audition. She was really putting in for this day. It was a stressful drive, but we got there <laughs> and Mum basically stopped the car in the middle of the road in traffic. I jumped out, narrow avoiding being hit, and ran to the entrance. I turned back to wave as horns were blaring and she didn't look my way. It was at that moment I thought, run, leave. My head was already aching from the bun, which was seriously too tight on my big freckly face. 
But I was not a quitter and who knows, I might make a few new friends. And what if, what if I'm pretty good and they let me in to be a ballerina? Up those wooden stairs I went as the perspiration started running down my armpits. Of course, I was a sweater. At the top of the stairs, it took approximately 20 seconds for me to realise that I had made a terrible misjudgment. In the hallway were dozens of girls in pink leotards with pink ballet shoes and pink headbands on neat soft buns and the occasional leg warmer. More and more girls kept arriving and every single one of them wore the same outfits. Some of them knew each other and hugged and chatted and they began their stretches and there was nowhere to hide and nothing I could do to blend in. I was the only person in all black with bare feet and I was so red in the face that the heat was radiating off my freckles and my beautiful red hair was not helping out one bit today. I sat on the floor and pretended to stretch all the while spying on these beautiful creatures. They were perfect. Sure, I was pretty flexible, but these girls, they were putting their legs straight up against the wall, standing while chatting. I was so hot and sweaty, and my face looked like a tomato, and I looked like Thor. Despite how I was feeling, it was thrilling to be in their presence. They were incredible to watch, these little mice. We're called into the performance hall. It was massive with mirrored walls and ballet bars and there are long rows of tables with eight judges with eight notebooks. There were 40 girls auditioning and we were given numbers to pin onto our leotard front and back. These things were getting serious. It was like a chorus line. The numbers were big, which was good to hide my big breasts on my big body. And the girls were helping each other attach numbers, but... I was happy to do my own, except I couldn't get to the back, which was weird. Anyway, one of the teachers got up to help me. Anyway, there's loud clapping and a tiny, short-haired older woman is gesticulating and speaking in French. And the girls all move to the bar and I rush to join them. The woman speaks in French just like in the movies. I had to I'd watched enough movies to know what was happening, but I had no idea what she was saying. I followed the girl in front of me, just always a beat behind the rest of the group. And that's when I smiled and shook my head a tiny bit and I thought, I am at a ballet audition to become a ballet dancer and I have never, ever done ballet. What was I thinking? We stayed at the bar, kicking forward, backwards, sidewards with little taps and bends and I'm thinking, OK, I've got this, no worries. After ten minutes of that, we move into the middle of the room and another ballet teacher takes over and we're shown a routine to copy and it's complicated, set of turns and arabesques and demi-plies and dips and bend with a little flick and twirl. This was tricky. I was at the back sweating up a storm, trying to avoid the teachers as they walked through the group, staring at us, really staring at me. Next up was some sort of French leaping across the room. This didn't sound great. One by one, we had to run and leap diagonally across this enormous hall. It involved holding one leg up, turning, and then tippy-toeing the last little bit. Every single person in the class watched. I remember looking at the cracks in the wooden floor. Seriously, you know how people say that in the movies? I did that. I looked at the cracks because I desperately needed to melt away before my turn. I was stuck, though. 
I started the girls before me. They leapt, they landed and dropped like fairies and angels and ballet dancers. And then it's my turn. And as I'm flying through the air and landing with a thump and spinning and jumping, not very high off the ground, I heard it, the snort of laughter, unable to be suppressed a minute more. I turned to see where it was coming from and it was the teachers. Anyway, this relaxed the girls enough to be less scared of me. Breathing half, I laughed a bit too, and some of the girls smiled pityingly at me. Maybe I could be friends with them after all. <laughs> on and on and on this day went. At lunchtime, I hid in a toilet cubicle and tried to reduce the redness in my face. Girls came in and started talking about me. It was fair enough. I was a joke. I was in the wrong place, and I certainly didn't belong. After lunch, we did some more French twirls and then a final dance of the day was described as freestyle. <laughs> Finally, I thought, I can hold my head high. This is my style, Hotel California. <laughs> I don't remember the music they chose, but it was contemporary rock. And after a day of classical, I started to relax and I let my body move to the music. And I felt free and happy without a care in the world. And I'm upside down and losing myself. <laughs> And then suddenly I feel faint and the room starts to spin and I start to gag and I think, oh my God, I'm going to vomit. After everything, I'm going to throw up on someone's pink fucking leotard if I don't run. So I run to the bathroom, I dry retch again and again until it finally stops and I look in that toilet bowl and I say to myself, you've done it, you've given it everything you've got. It's time to go home. I go back into the room as the freestyle is ending. They dismissed us and I pulled my clothes on over my leggings and walked to Flinders Street, smoked a couple of ciggies and caught the train home. <laughs> Later that evening, Mum said, oh, how did it go? And I told her the story and we laughed. She laughed, we both laughed. And a week later, I failed Year 12 and Mum didn't laugh at all. 